This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Chelsea and Tottenham earn a point. Liverpool earns a point against Brighton. Manchester United with a classic 90s Manchester United performance and come back to win 3-2 against Southampton. We got the Premier League, the Bundesliga, Serie A, La Liga, and all the recaps, including the Maradona tributes around the globe. Stay right here. I'm with Jimmy Conrad and Heath Fears. Gago Lasso begins right now. It's Weekend Recap time, my American sandwich time. Jimmy Conrad, Heath Beers. Heath, how are you, buddy? I'm doing good. Thank you. I like that energy today, Luis. You came in hot. I like that, man. Get me going. You know what? Thanksgiving is over. It's holiday season, and I love the holiday season. That's what it's all about. And I'm on my fifth eggnog, so there you <laughs> go. Jimmy, how are you, bud? I'm doing great. Lots to talk about today. Lots of action, and uh, I'm excited to dive into a couple narratives that I'm sure everybody else is ready to jump into as well. Absolutely. Uh, and let's begin, everybody, with obviously the recent news of Diego Maradona and the footballing world uh, honored the legend uh, throughout the world uh, this weekend from Germany to Spain, England and Italy. They just poured in all their tributes in France. Teams drew the M for Maradona, of course, in the center circle. Napoli, of course, uh, with a combined tribute of Argentina and Naples in their jersey. Uh, the All Blacks, actually, the New Zealand rugby team with a fantastic tribute as they honored Argentina because they were playing them and laid down the Maradona shirt right before the Haka. But honestly, guys, obviously, Lionel Messi scoring a golazo. And after that, after the celebration, walking up, take, removing his Barcelona jersey to reveal the Newell's old boys kit with Maradona 10 at the back, pointing to the sky. It was just such a poetic moment. Surely that has to be one of the highlights uh, of the weekend when it came to honoring Maradona uh, Heath. Yeah, there's, there's very few things where you can wear the jersey of another team with sponsors on it, even though it's, a, you know, it's vintage. But like you can wear all of these things. There's very few things in the world that you can get away with um, that type of celebration or moment. And, and obviously, uh, it, it, was, it was a fitting tribute to, to a legend like Diego. And, and obviously, to be able to score a goal in, 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 in the first game sort of um, after – and, and to dedicate that, you know, is, is an amazing thing. So I think you, you start to, you know, and I think we talked about it before, but you start to see the, 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 the impact somebody has based on going beyond just, you know, all of us on social media. It's transcending culture. It's across the board. It's in other sports and everybody is sort of paying their dues. But Messi doing that and, and delivering that goal and, and, and showing that jersey is something really special. Jimmy, did you have a, a specific moment that, that you thought was extra special? I mean, throughout the world, obviously, Maradona being Maradona was just all good, right? But the messy thing to me was just, just cherry. I, yeah, yeah. Just to kind of piggyback on what Heath was saying, you can tell how much impact he's had in people's lives, spe specifically uh, Argentinians. There was uh, Carlos Hill and Gustavo Bo both uh, paid tribute to him after scoring goals in the New England-Orlando game. 
And um, yeah, I thought that was super cool. You know, everybody's taking their moment to say thank you. And I, I don't know what else you can say about the guy and his impact on the game at large when you're seeing second, third generation players who probably never even got to see him play, but just knew of him and knew how important he was to so many different people still going out of their way to pay tribute to him. Yeah. And as we speak, by the way, they're still probably one of the most special yet as Boca Juniors faces Newell's actually. So it'll be the Diego Maradona Cup. Stay tuned for that. When we come back, a quick drop, because then we will talk about all the action around Europe and the world. Stay right here. Welcome back, everybody. And now we go all around Europe to discuss what happened this weekend. We begin, of course, with the Premier League. Tottenham stays top of the table as they earn the point at Stamford Bridge against Chelsea. A goalless draw in the league. The first time this has happened, actually, since November 2015. Well, their last one in the league meeting at Stamford Bridge came in March 2012. So they don't usually go for a scoreless draw, but this one happened. It wasn't a boring game, uh, Jimmy, but, you know, we, we could have done with a goal. But I think, once again, Mandy proves how valuable he is. And Hugo Lloris with a fantastic save at the end against Mason Mann. But how did you see the game? I want all 90 of those minutes of my life back. So that's how <laughs> yeah. I see it, Luis. Uh, Luis yes. Don't say it wasn't boring. I, I, it, there was, there was right. large swaths of that game that I was just looking at, looking at the wall, you know, thinking about other things in my life that were going on. Like I just, I guess it was a good time to relax. And, and somebody had said, one of my friends, like, this is a great game to take a nap. And then I said, as an American, it's even better because you're trying to work off all those calories. You still got the food coma from Thanksgiving. What a great way to just, hey, you know what? I'm going to go to sleep for another hour. You wouldn't have missed anything. There was barely any shots on goal until like the very beginning and at the very end. But it was a stalemate. And I think that nobody really wanted to extend themselves. I don't remember any players really getting in behind the defense. And that kind of speaks to where they were drawing their lines of defense, not allowing Timo Werner in Spurs' instance to get in behind and make any big difference there. And obviously, Tammy Abraham and uh, isn't holding the ball up very well. Harry Kane, I thought they did a good job of swarming him. It just was going to be a little stunted uh, in terms of flow and rhythm, and that's exactly what we saw. If Jose Mourinho at the end said he was disappointed that it, he they just got a point, like, does he have a point here, or is a point enough for what uh, we suffered through? I, I didn't think it was that bad, but okay, now you're persuading me that maybe. <laughs> yeah, look, I think out of respect to Jose Mourinho and what he was going out to do, right, which was play not to lose and try to get a, like, try to get a, hopefully get a result. Um, I think the players are finally buying in, but when you have an, an attack, a prolific attack, I'll use that, uh, th that phrase right now that, that is informed like they are, you expect them to get a goal or two at least every game. Now, when they're sitting back and they're having to come back and start their attacks at a, at a deeper position, if you saw they were bunkered in, they were comfortable. I really like this Spurs thing, because if you're Jose Mourinho and you're going into Spurs and saying, hey, guys, you guys have been really good the last years, but you have nothing to show for it, right? And I'm here to change that. So you're going to have to buy into this system. And it's going to take a while to get to it. And first, they were all out attack. And now they're very, very defensive. And if they can find that special sauce, I think they really are going to be a, a uh, Premier League uh, title contender this year. But yeah, it was, it was a, a little bit, you know, of a boring game. And again, I don't think Tammy Abraham was all that bad, but it's hard to play good against that type of system, especially when you're a high striker, you got to go out to the channels to find the ball. You got to start drifting back, things like that. It's hard to get into a rhythm and that's Jose Mourinho ball. He disrupts things. And then, you know, you do have to put that onus on your players to say, Hey, if we're going to bunker in, we're going to sit back. We're going to close off everything. I'm going to need one or two of you guys to come up with something special and deliver three points. And they weren't able to do that today. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess the final story here, and we'll end it here. We won't go on 
too much about Chelsea Tottenham. A lot of yellow cards here in this one. It was almost if both teams wanted to play badly, I guess. And I think Tottenham should probably be happy because at the end of the day, Jimmy, they're top of the table. Mm -hmm. They got the North London derby coming up. So, you know, they're probably thinking, hey, at least we got a point to take back home. Yeah, 100%. I mean, they only got one shot on goal. I'm looking at the stats now, five shots overall. Uh, there are some bright spots for me. I thought Serge Aouye played very well on the right side. He was one of my men of the match, if I can say that. And then I really like uh, Ndombele. I think he is so good turning out of pressure and, and accelerating between the lines. If Spurs go on to win something of consequence this season, he's going to be a big reason why, because I feel like he's really been kind of the glue that's been allowing the team to, to, to be more dynamic and a little bit more unpredictable in their attack. Whereas before, maybe you just had to worry, or more often than not, uh, Hingman's son and Harry Kane, you shut those guys down, there's really nothing else. I think uh, Ndombele gives them something a lot different and it forces other defenders to have to think about how they close him down because he can break you, break you down in so many different ways. A friend of the show, by the way, Tango Ndombele, uh, we chatted to him a few weeks ago. Let's move on. Brighton earned a point. <laughs> against Liverpool. Liverpool actually uh, opened the scoring with Yogo Jota once again uh, with a great goal. It wasn't that, this one I can, yes, I'll attest to. This was not a good game and it was definitely not a good performance from Liverpool, but you, look, you, you, you thought, well, Jurgen Klopp has it. He's got those three points. And then in comes VAR, in comes a revisionist look from the ref and uh, a, a penalty is awarded. In the very last moments in stoppage time, Pascal Growth makes it 1-0. After, by the way, Mopé uh, missed one and had to come off uh, injured after that. But it ends 1-0 uh, against Liverpool with Brighton and Liverpool. Uh, and then if you saw that interview, did you see it? Heath? Did you see yeah. that interview? Whoa, yeah. that BT Sports interview with Des Kelly, where if you don't know about it, Des Kelly basically said, because again, uh, a few injuries in this one, James Milner, I believe, a hamstring issue. And Des Kelly said, so... James Milner, hamstring, right? And Jurgen Klopp looks at him and goes, congratulations. <laughs> and then just watch the rest of the video for that. How did you see the game? And Jurgen Klopp at the end, Heath, how did you see this one? Yeah, look, I'm doing my, my B coaching license right now, right? We're, we're learning about periodization, like, like uh, tactical and physical periodization. So the peak time being after a game is 96 hours until you've sort of gone into your recovery and back up to your max capabilities above like your baseline. And if you think about playing on a Wednesday, on a Wednesday night into a Saturday morning, that is nowhere close to the 96 hours. Right. And, and it's already a tight season. It's already like, um, uh, kind of jumbled up, but you know, again, he's, he's saying you guys are asking for this. These are TV times you're asking for the, you're asking for the morning game. You're asking to spread out these games. So I can understand that you're putting players at risk. Yeah, of course they're deep. Now they're deep into their, to their squad. And those players are now becoming at risk, even though you would have thought, Naturally, you have a squad big enough for rotation, but, but the it's game not itself. Des Kelly's fault, Heath. Like Des Kelly was just asking about an injury. It's not like you know. It's not like Des Kelly makes the schedule. He was just asking. Well, I that's what he's saying back, right? He's like, "Hey, talk to your talk to your uh, CEO to to talk to the other teams. Like you guys are agreeing to these types of things. You guys are confirming this type of stuff uh, with the league. So I can understand his frustration because from a physical standpoint, you're just seeing the the the, the games and you're saying, okay, we got to go. You got to go play them. Um, and we are in a unique year where where the risk is already higher um, because the, the the schedule is so condensed. But yeah, it, it, it is it is putting the players into that high risk zone. And it's one of those things that you don't think about until you have to think about it, right? If, if, you're, if, you're not, if you're not suffering from that, if your team's not going through the injuries, you're not thinking about that. But now his squad is getting depleted and he's in the title race. Uh, I can understand his frustration. Probably not the right people to take it out on, but you know, 
I, I, I would never discredit uh, Jurgen Klopp with anything. If, if Jurgen Klopp says that's the right thing to do, then I just have to stand by him. And I'm not even a Liverpool fan. <laughs> Jimmy, me and you, we've had conversations about things like tough scheduling and et cetera. And sometimes we've just said, listen, you know, it is what it is. Uh, where do you see it with this one? So I think part of the issue and frustration for Jurgen Klopp is that he's been told no in a little, in a couple different ways. One is the scheduling and, and these, these early games that he's frustrated about and speaks to the flex that Heath is talking about with his B license and periodization. Uh, I'm getting my A license, by the way. I just oh, reflexed on, on Heath yeah, right nerd. now. Nerd. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think five subs is something that should be discussed. I know he took a shot at Chris Wilder during this, this interview as well, saying, look at Chris Wilder doesn't want to have five subs. And he wants three subs. He only has one point on the season is what he said, which is amazing that Jurgen Klopp is like taking a shot at a team he's not even playing against <laughs> at the moment. So, so Jurgen Klopp's on something special right now. He, he's definitely feeling it. And, and in fairness to him, if I had been manager, any of us had been manager, and that VAR call had been called against us, and you have to go get interviewed right after all that goes down and your players are upset and you're upset and everybody's upset, you're going to have a raw uh, response, which, which is what we saw. Also, by the way, I don't think that was, was it a, penalty? a penalty. No, no, it wasn't a penalty no. from you. No, let's can talk I, can about, I, about I, it. Let's talk about it. Before, hold on, before we get there, the five subs I think is real. And I think be, I was actually pleasant, not pleasantly surprised. I was surprised that they, because they knew they were going to have a condensed schedule, especially with all the European competitions as well. I just thought they were going to keep five subs for this next season and then kind of work on, okay, what do we do moving forward once everything kind of goes back to normal? I think five subs would help solve some of these problems. Uh, not all of them because guys are still going to get hurt, but, but I just think it would have relieved uh, some of the pressure that these top clubs are doing in multiple competitions. It's easy for Sheffield United and Chris Wilder to say this when he doesn't have any midweek competitions where he's traveling pretty far and having to come back. And it's just a big ask for teams. And, and uh, I know everybody's trying to survive and try to gain their advantages where they can. And obviously Sheffield's looking at it from a different perspective, but I'm not like, totally, I'd say about five I, subs. yeah, I'm not totally against the five sub situation. I don't know why there's such a vitriol against it. I guess it's because the ultimate argument for low to mid table clubs is that look, our squad is not as deep as yours. So that's not fair, but that's not the point here. The point is overall health. The point is understanding, as Heath was saying, like, you know, um, if you're playing a game on a Wednesday and then you have to play on a Saturday morning, there is no way in the world that you physically are not ready. You're just not. So you need to make sure that you can rotate. I do think it's a, you know, if you're going to take a stab at someone, don't take up the manager who's like, you know, whose team is like bottom of the table. <laughs> but, but I do see the point. But anyway, let's talk about that VAR. Uh, Heath, not, don't know if you saw it, Jimmy. We can talk about it first if you want. But li listen. Here's the thing, and this is the only thing that I tweeted. I'm not even going to argue if it's a penalty or not. I think that what we have now entered in this VAR culture is that the moment you get asked, you the ref, to look at something again, I think that adds already psychological pressure for you to give a penalty. And also slow motion is already aesthetically giving you that choice. So when you add that and the fact that, you know, the VAR room is saying, listen, I think you need to look at this again. I feel that that mentally is already telling the ref, this is a penalty, prove me otherwise. What do you think, uh, Heath? You already talk, I feel. Yeah, so this is the one where he swings and hits his foot, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Here's, here's my only argument to this, all right? He swings and then the hits his foot and misses, but the touch hits his body. So, like, he's not getting out of that with the ball, no matter what. So you get a little bit of foot, but watch what happens to the ball. It's not like 
it wasn't like the, the, the foot changed the trajectory of the runner or whatever. The, the ball was inter- intercepted because it, it, it took a touchdown and it hit the, um, wh- uh, what's his name's leg as he was swinging through it. And therefore, situationally, I'm like, yeah, Welbeck, Danny Welbeck. Yeah. yeah, Danny Welbeck. So like Danny Welbeck gets a touch on it and, and then uh, swings through, hits his foot. But Danny Welbeck's touch touches it straight down into the line of the defender who's going through it. So then it hits his body and now the goal, ball is heading in the opposite direction. And that to me is like, if I'm the ref, I'm looking situationally, add con, like fill in the context of this moment, right? It's the end of the game. He gets a touch on it. Yes, there's contact. Yes, there is 100%. However, the touch goes straight down into the defender who's now clearing, sort of moving the ball in the opposite direction. It wasn't as if it was preventing him from doing something. It wasn't as if Welbeck was going to get a shot off on that or something. The ball literally got a touch, went straight into his foot, and then it was being relieved of, of pressure. And that to me is the missing context of all this because it, it's like the old school, like uh, one-on-one with the keeper, take the 40-yard touch and go down. And you're like, but the ball rolled out of bounds. And you're Which like, well, it's right, right. Which yeah. is my point about slow motion and asking the ref to go back again. Because the moment that you introduce slow motion, the moment VAR room says, listen, look at this again, you psychologically prepare yourself for another narrative. Because I have no doubt that the ref initially was like, I don't think there's anything here. And then, no, but can you look at it again? And also, why didn't this happen to Trezeguet and Aston Villa? Because it's practically the same thing. Exactly. And in that situation, the ref gave it. And then he was asked to look at it again to basically mentally, again, go against the argument. Jimmy, any final thoughts on that? Yeah, I've seen a lot of... The one, the last one. I don't want No, no, no. I think it's more of a conversation overall. Now we're seeing Liverpool players question whether there should be VAR at all and whether they should even have it moving forward. And England, I think more so than other leagues, have really botched VAR and how it can benefit. Now, that being said, I would... we only talk about the mistakes. We rarely talk about the successes of VAR. And so I think that needs to be, you know, brought into the conversation about whether what, what we're really, what they should do moving forward. Um, it's, it's interesting because it seems like obviously when the biggest big clubs get, get uh, hit with something, they're the ones that have the loudest voices. And so it's, it's, it's hard to kind of separate, you know, all the noise with like the facts. And so that's just something I think they need to look at. I think overall, and I th- maybe we talked about this before, Heath, when we were players, but if you gave up a bad penalty, this is you know, pre-VAR, then you knew at some point it would probably average out at some point and balance out more often than not throughout the course of a full season. Like you're going to get some calls that go your way and some that don't. And that's just kind of how it works. And, and uh, Because you with- can't play hands off. You cannot right, play hands right. off for 90 minutes. It can't. Sorry to interrupt you, Jimmy. No, no, you're fine. Go the, ahead. The, the, the game is becoming a game in the box and the game outside of the box are two different sports that we're playing now. And inside the box is, is changing forever, right? It, it, there is no, like, it, there's no, it, it's, it's just re, reimagining how you defend in the box because all contact is technically a penalty in the box, but it's not really outside, you know? It's like, it's like the, the, the mythical thing of if the ref gives a yellow early on, he's got to give yellows for everything. And you're like, no, it was a red, it was a yellow card fence. Just give the yellow and move on. Yeah, right. But we have this thing where it's like, well, right. once it gets it out, then it's got to rain. And, and then once it yeah. rains, it's got to pour. And I just, I think these are, these are things that we've created in the game that don't necessarily benefit things right now. Right. Really good point. Yeah. Really good point. Uh, let's move on. Something that VAR did not need to intervene is Man City destroying Burnley. Uh, that was clear for everybody to see. Uh, a reaction, obviously, uh, after you know, just not necessarily the greatest run that Man City has gone through recently. Pep Guardiola wanted to make sure that 
you know, uh, they came out uh, with a bang against a Burnley team that really for many years now has been struggling in the Premier League. And to be honest with you, it's not so much a Sean Dyke problem, but rather a club problem, just not enough support. You know, they, you can't do, you can only do what you can do with what you're given. And, and when you face a Man City that was angry, Riyad Maris gets a hat trick. Uh, Kevin De Bruyne was back to being Kevin De Bruyne again. Uh, Mendy and Ferran Torres crosses up five nothing. Uh, anything to add from this one, Jimmy, on this five nothing win? Yeah, I was going to say about Riyad Mahrez. We had talked recently about when they lost to Tottenham last week and and struggling the week before that. Just it wasn't the same Man City. They seemed to drop off. They seemed to have lost that fire. And we never actually brought up Riyad Mahrez. And I think that's a shame because they paid a buttload of money for him. And he needed to step up and actually take more responsibility for the attack. David Silva has gone. You know, some other guys are hurt. Where's Riyad Mahrez? Why is Phil Foden starting over him? Why is Ferran Torres starting over him? Why, where is Riyad Mahrez? So for him to finally step up and, and show himself and have three goals, he does have a good record against Burnley overall in his career, uh, was, was good. And it was impressive. And I think they're going to need more of that from him in particular if they're going to really, really contest for, for any type of trophy this season. Yeah, especially as the games come fast and heavy. Let's keep going because we got a lot. So, Heath, we'll begin with you. Southampton were doing well, 2 nothing at halftime. And then Bruno Fernandes was like, you know what? Enough is enough. And Cavani, the ageless Cavani, with uh, a, a great performance, is introduced in the second and really just changes the game around. Manchester United do a kind of 90s Manchester United and come back from 2 nothing down and win it 3-2. Thoughts on the game? Yeah, this is one where I, I had already pre-programmed in my mind when I was going to talk to you guys today that I was going to say, Diogo Jota, again, this is who you sign as your kind of super player coming off the bench. You don't have to pay him 300 grand a week or whatever, 500 grand a week. I don't know what Cavani's making, but it's somewhere in there, you know, and I was going to kind of hate on Cavani a little bit, even though I have no real reason to other than the fact that <laughs> it's, it's easy to bully United. But he did exactly what you want him to do, right? Got involved, got his couple his couple chances and, and buried him. And is so active in the box that... He could have had a few more if they found him in the right spots, but it's the exact type of performance you want from a player. And, and, you know, I don't know how you, the, the other question I was going to ask today going in before, before he, he had his two goals was how do you just like in a world where you're trying to create a return on investment, how do you justify a salary like that of somebody coming off the bench all the time? Like what is the barrier for you to say, this was a good signing, you know? Like, is it, is it 10 goals? Is it 40 goals? I don't really know how you measure success on somebody who's on such big wages, but a game like this today uh, really justifies why he's there and, and what he's capable of, you know, and especially in, in this kind of context that what, you know, coming from behind and then, and then winning the game, I thought was a, was a huge, a uh, huge moment for them. And, 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 and certainly a builder, a character builder, right. To be able to come out of that game live because Southampton's really good. Uh, and at least they were till they lost, uh, <laughs> uh, but man, free kicks, huh? What a thing. <laughs> no, Southampton are very good. And Ward Prowse is one of the best midfielders, I would say, right now in Europe, let alone England. But Jimmy, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer gets a little credit for uh, introducing Cavani, uh, Mason Greenwood, or was that just a non-brainer? Here we go. We're on the roller coaster again. Is Ole Gunnar a good manager or is he not a good manager? Nobody knows. We still don't know. Other than the fact that I think that Edinson Cavani, when we look back at the end of the season, will be a very shrewd signing. It's already paying off right now. I know there was a lot of talk and them feeling like they missed out on Jaden Sancho. I think this Cavani player, and given what his skill set brings, I think it's the contrast they need in their attack. Jaden Sancho, who I love, I think he's a fantastic player, but he's very similar in terms of the skill set with Martial, with Rashford, with Greenwood. Do you need another Jade, like that type of player in your team? I think that Cavani is a proper number nine. 
as, as he correctly said, he's active in the box. He's always sniffing around that first goal he scored on the header, which is like a, a missed shot by Bruno Fernandez. He's in the right place at the right time. That's what he does. And that's why you sign him. And that's why you pay those wages because he can do that type of stuff. And now he's got to go out there and earn it though. I did see something funny, funny stat for you guys. Ensign Cavani now has as many Premier League goals for Manchester United as Alexis Sanchez, which is amazing, by the way. And he's only played like four <laughs> games. So, so Love. yeah, yeah. So that there's there's a lot to love about Edinson Cavani, but I really like that he's going to provide a different type of presence up top than a Rashford or a Martial, who are still really wingers at the end of the day. And I just think he should get the start. I like Donny Van de Beek in there as well. I also saw a stat where Fred has started 11 games. For United so far, they've only lost one of those 11 and won nine. So they have nine wins, a draw, and a loss when Fred starts. And that's something to be said for somebody who really does the work in front of that back four. So, yeah, lots to be happy about for Manchester United. But I still, honestly, I don't know if Ole Gunner's a good manager or not. I just don't have any idea. It's still up What about discussion. Arteta? You like? you think he's good? Oh, um, man. We're going <laughs> to get to Arteta. The one thing that I will say is that, uh, you know, Ole Gunner Social made a career out of pretty much what Cavani did today about coming in at a time when your team needed you. So there you have it. Manchester United jumps to eighth. Uh, with 16 points and, you know, trying to get closer up to that top four. And Edison Cavani, 33-year-old, gets a brace for Man U. We're sticking in the Premier League. Stay with us because right now let's talk about Wolves at Arsenal. The last game of the weekend in the Premier League. Wolves win against Arsenal at uh, the Emirates. It's 2-1, no, yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, Pedro Neto gets the opener, then uh, Gabriel equalizes in the 30th, and then Podence in the 42nd. So all the goals came in the first half. Wolves win 2-1. But the real story here as well, aside from we'll talk about Arsenal and Arteta in a second. But if you didn't see it, and I hope you don't really see it, just read the report. But, you know, from a corner, David Luiz clashes with Raul Jimenez. A horrible collision. David Luiz is, is, is shaken up, obviously. And Raul Jimenez is out cold. And it, obviously, the urgency of, of the situation takes him to hospital straight away. From the latest news that we have is that he, he has woken up and, you know, he's alert. Uh, that's, that's good news to hear. But it was a horrible, horrible clash. Uh, Jimmy, David Luizzo stayed on to play. That shouldn't happen. Okay. Right? I mean, it's just so, ridiculous. So you, you're actually talking to two people here that have experienced this before. I got knocked out in a game against Panama in the Gold Cup. Heath was there, and uh, I had to come off right away. I, I had 20 minutes of post-impact amnesia, so I guess I was still talking, and Heath said I was kind of funny when I was talking, but uh, – but which is, well, I'm not surprised. Look at this guy, you know, but, but uh, I didn't, the I don't remember. It's funniest he's ever been to be fair. <laughs> and, and I woke up in the ambulance and all I could see was at the bottom half of my left eye. It's when I started to come to, which was about 20, 30 minutes later. Um, really scary. Of course, you know, I didn't know anything about it. And so I can, I can really relate to Jimenez and it seemed like they made the right decision with him on the flip side. David Luis should have come out right away. That was too, I can't even watch it, but, but that clash of heads, the crack that you could hear, um, with the microphones was just disgusting. And um, yeah, it's a little unfortunate there. And now he's alert, as you said, so everything's on the up and up, but now it's going to take some time. I took me about six weeks to kind of get back in action. So if you're a Wolves fan and want to know, I'm giving it that whole six to eight weeks and, and uh, hopefully he recovers quicker, but you still have to give it that time to kind of have your brain resettle again. Talk about periodization with concussions. It's got to be that one. That's severe six to eight weeks for sure. Uh, overall the game, the, the funny stat was Wolves have yet to score in the first half this season in the Premier League. <laughs> no, no Jota. 
no Jota. He doesn't play scored. first half anyway. He doesn't score in the first half. And they lost their top striker. And yet Arsenal still finds a way to be down 2-1 at halftime to this team without their top number nine. It's unreal. So Arsenal are on something fierce to, to his point about Mikel Arteta. I don't know if he's a good coach yet or not. I think he put a lot of eggs in these older guys' basket. And I don't think those older guys have really uh, returned the, the favor. And so th there's a lot to unpack here with them for sure. Well, Heath, Arsenal uh, lost their third consecutive uh, game in the Premier League at the Emirates for the second time since the start of the season. In fact, Wolves get their first away victory against Arsenal since 1979. Aubameyang looked awful. I don't think it's all his fault, but it was bad. And it was yet another, here we are, because we talked about Arteta giving them identity and looking, you know, at least some kind of like team that knows who they are. Well, we know who they are right now, which is a, an Arsenal side with no bite and, and really hardly any creativity, especially up top. Play the kids. Just play the kids. Look at them in Europa League. They're having a good old time in Europa League. Florian <laughs> Logan, he scored uh, last week in Europa League. I, look, I think... This is going to be a Europa League only season for them, um, which is sad because, you know, at the beginning of the season, there, there has been that talk. And again, I don't know. Look, I got this, I got this game. I got this match worn thing. I went to North London Derby of Arteta. He was a really good player uh, as a manager. Who knows? You know, he's sort of because he spent his early days with Pep. There's this sort of uh, charisma about him and this little bit of magic that people think might be able to be unlocked or poured over a, a, uh, a, a, um, a young Arsenal squad, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if, 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 if it's going to pan out at the level that we expect him to. Um, so again, uh, just, just disappointing. Uh, and, and I knew uh, you always know it's disappointing when you open up the conversation, Luis, by saying, let's talk about the Wolves game. We're not, <laughs> saying, let's, we're not talking about, we're not saying let's talk about Arsenal. We're saying let's talk about Wolves. And then I'm a, they play. And I'm a Villa fan. And yeah. I say, let's talk about the Wolves game. That's not a good thing. Yeah. And, 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 and then you say, well, well who, who did they play? Oh, they played Arsenal. It was a, you know, a day for Wolves today. You know, it, it, that, that's, that's the state of Arsenal right now. You're not even saying let's talk about the Arsenal game. You're saying let's talk about Wolves. They played against Arsenal. Yep. Yep. It's bad. Maybe, maybe you have a point. Maybe Europa is where they go. And uh, cause the next stop is the North London Derby. Um, and that's not going to be an easy game, especially, you know, since Tottenham playing well at the moment. Listen, my issue with Aubameyang today, as has been for a while, is that he's not, I, don't, I just don't think he's the kind of player that you put just by himself up top because like when he's got, when his back phases go, that's when he's at his most least dangerous. Aubameyang wants to run at you. Aubameyang wants to penetrate spaces. And I feel that actually we've been talking about Cavani so much, he would have been perfect for Arsenal. He would have been perfect for Arsenal. Can I throw some fun stats at you that I found that I think you guys will have a Hold good on, Jimmy, about? real quick. This is actually from a North London derby. Remember when Adebayor scored against Arsenal and celebrated <laughs> yeah. and they got sent off a few minutes later? That's why I kept this jersey because it was from that game I was there. That was crazy. It's so clean. Yeah, no. <laughs> that, that's an epic game and what a, what a celebration that was. Okay, so here I got this for you. And then there's a lot of people that are already, as you can imagine, Arteta out. But this is the worst, start, the, the worst start for Arsenal in 22 years. Uh, the, the last time they lost to Leicester at home uh, was 47 years ago. The last time they lost to Wolves, as you said, uh, was since 1976 or whatever. The last time Aston Villa, yep. 79, last time Aston Villa scored three and beat uh, Arsenal at home was in 1928. They, they That's never, for the birds. Never in the history of their football club have they lost as many points uh, in the first 10 games. 
all 91 teams in English football from the lowest divisions to the Premier League have more shots than us. <laughs> That's my favorite one. Than and, us. Than us. And then uh, last time we didn't keep a clean sheet for seven games uh, was in 2006. I say we and us because I'm reading somebody else's stats. Right, right, right. That's crazy, dude. Listen, eight points above the relegation zone. I know that we're talking, you know, but we're entering, we're entering December. Guys, we're in a pandemic. Let's relax, okay? <laughs> records are, records are going to be broken. There's going to be new things. Home is not necessarily home. You know, the, the library of, of, of the Emirates. Let me tell you something. Usually when we have this conversation about Arsenal and I look at their stats, I say, well, at least they're scoring goals. <laughs> and that's not happening right now. And that's yeah, a problem. Right. And yeah. the fact that they're conceding a lot and not scoring, I mean, they have a under two goal differential. It's, it's just not good. Not good at all, but we could yeah, talk guys, about But listen, they're one of the first teams to qualify for the knockout rounds in Europa League, okay? So, you know. Yeah, the, can we talk about how easy their group is? Focus on okay. Europe. Focus on Europe, you know. Listen, Arsenal fans, are still a lot of time uh, to turn it around. And like you said, Heath, it's a pandemic kind of season. We'll see what happens. When we come back, the rest of Europe. Stay right here. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast robert half research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring if you have open roles chances are you're feeling this too that's why you need robert half our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome back, everybody. The Premier League's done. Let's talk Europe. There's a lot, actually. Uh, I'll give you a few, uh, you know, pieces of information and we'll take it from wherever the guys want to take it. In La Liga, let's go to Spain. Atletico wins one nothing. I feel like they're just going to win one nothing for the rest of the season and then just win La Liga. Uh, Barcelona, as we mentioned, thrashed Osasuna 5 nothing. Real Madrid, Jimmy, loses to Alaves 2-1. Um, any thoughts from any of that? Yeah, I would say looking at the table and looking at form and looking kind of how each team is doing in multiple competitions, I, I feel like this is Atleti's league to lose in, in some capacity. I think they're really built to kind of grind it out. Whereas Madrid, if they miss a few key players, Barcelona missing a key, few key players, 
they're not the same. So yeah, I like Atleti with all due respect to Real Sociedad who are still on top of the table, but Atleti have two games in hand and they're only one point behind Sociedad who tied with Villarreal today. Uh, what I want to say is about with Real Madrid, Eden Hazard is hurt again, got, got taken off in the 28th minute. At what point do we stop saying this is physical and it's psychological because the, it, I don't know, Heath can speak to this too. Sometimes those two things are intertwined with expectation and pressure and dealing with adversity, rushing back maybe too soon to just prove to people that you are healthy, that you're fit. They signed that guy to be the replacement for Cristiano Ronaldo, and he's nowhere near it. So that's something to talk about. Uh, Nacho gave up a pretty bad penalty in this game. Courtois made an uncharacteristic mistake. Uh, Casemiro did score late, but uh, it's bad. They're, they've only won two out of the last six. They're winless in their last three. And no, no Sergio Ramos, no Benzema, as I, as I mentioned, and uh, Marcelo started again. That's always a big defensive liability. They got a tough schedule coming up. They have um, a way to Sevilla and they have the Madrid Derby after that, including their, their two very important match days against Borussia Mönchengladbach and Shakhtar Donetsk. It's, it's going to be a tough two weeks, I think, here for Madridistas. Yep, December 12th is the Madrid derby. It's, it's going to be quite a game. And listen, like it's always been, Heath, the situation with Sedan, where, listen, get us to the knockout stages in the Champions League and we'll forgive you for the end of the year. But I'm not so sure that might be the case right now. But is there any option? I mean, how do you see the situation? Zidane has a very uh, MLS-like uh, mentality. Just get to the playoffs and we'll forget uh, <laughs> everything that happened. We'll just watch the rest it. of the year. Um, look, I, I think my, my focus is on Atletico Madrid, right? They're, they're five points in the Champions League right now, which means they're, they're clearly in second behind Bayern Munich on 12, perfect, perfect after four games. But they're, they're on five points and they still have the Madrid derby coming up. They've got two more games where they've got to play Bayern in the next match. And then they've got to, I think they play uh, RB Salzburg in their, in their final match. That's that is not completely uh, secured, right? You have locomotive, I think, on three. RB Salzburg are probably out of it, but can play spoilers. So I think they have a lot on their plate that's going to show over the next couple of weeks where where Atletico Madrid are likely to 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 pan out. They, I think they drew in, in in the Champions League this last week. So they're they're they've got a lot going on. They're obviously trending really well in 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 La Liga, and so I just worry about that much stress being on them. But if we are seeing again, and I and I heard this today. Um, around uh, Spurs and same thing for, for Atletico. They're actually playing the, the style of play that's going to uh, conserve bodies and conserve legs over time and not playing the Klopp, you know, heavy metal football style where you're, you're at, at, at full pace all the time that you're actually preserving a little bit longer your team. So hopefully that team can stay together and, and you can minimize injuries. Well, I'm going to jump in really quick because Atletico is playing Bayern Munich on Tuesday. Bayern Munich has already qualified for the knockout rounds. They've already qualified as the number one seed. I don't think we're going to see Lewandowski going, you know, full 90, banging in goals. I think we're going to see a much, much different looking Bayern team, and that's going to be to Atleti's advantage. They're going to probably be super thankful that they're going to see the B squad from Bayern, who are still very good, but if Chris Lewandowski Richards, doesn't Chris play, Richards, let's well, go. I, I want to see him as well, but I just feel like we can see Atleti grinding out another 1-0 win, getting the three points that they need to secure second in the group, and then they can relax for the rest. I, I, I like Atleti right now, and I love that point about the way that they play. It's Tottenham as well. They're one of my favorites to win the Europa League and, and potentially the Premier League because of the style of being patient, being smart, conserving energy, and trying to hit people on the break. Let's move to Germany where Borussia Dortmund, you know, one minute we're saying, oh, you're so close and trying to, you know, get close to Bayern Munich. And then you lose to a team that hadn't won yet in the Bundesliga. Uh, FC Köln make it happen. They win 2-1. Erlen Haaland, he had a glorious chance, <laughs> a glorious chance. And this doesn't happen often to make it to all, at least get a point. It doesn't happen. Borussia Dortmund loses. Uh, 
really just a tough one there. Yeah, we talked about, you know, and Jimmy predicted this, and I agreed with him a couple of weeks ago on the show, was that eventually they'll, they'll slow down, right? And if you looked at, to go back to Jimmy's point about Bayern Munich and the Champions League, uh, resting players, they've been resting players, and they've rested players the last Champions League and then played their best team at the weekend to try to secure those points. And now they get a six-point swing because, because uh, um, Dortmund aren't able to get the result. And so, uh, you know, when you look at... Uh, the youth of Dortmund is always going to be the Achilles heel for them of not being able to finish those chances. Whereas the experience and perhaps the five subs and depth of Bayern Munich uh, will, will allow them to, to, to press on. So yeah, it's, it's just that inconsistency in form uh, again, Gio Reyna, I believe started on the, on the bench and came in, in that game. Uh, and, and, you know, Holland, again, you expect so much of him because he finishes all of his chances, but what happens when he has an off day, right? Who's going to be the one or even an off moment, right? A single moment, who, who else can create that moment of magic to, to, to drive results for them? Yeah. Jimmy, anything to add? I would just say Jane Sancho. I mean, he's, he's the guy. Obviously, we think of it or look at it through an American lens. And Gio Reno came on and set up the goal for Thorgan Hazard. You're like, wow, if he's doing that, those two guys both came off the bench. Maybe, maybe you should start those guys, you know? And so Jane Sancho, Julian Brandt started the game. You're right, Keith. If, if Bruce and Dortmund are really going to do anything of significance, they need other players to step up. We talked about it with Manchester United. It's the same here. Sometimes your top players aren't going to do the business. Who's going to fill in those gaps? And I think that's what Jose Mourinho teams do very well. If you've seen him in the past, just to kind of bring him back into the conversation. Other people seem to step up and, and score some vital goals. And if you don't have that, it's going to be tough for you to win the league, especially a league with Bayern Munich in it. Generally, Luis, can I make this comment? Bob Bradley used to always say this thing of like, and I found it so bizarre at the time, but he would say we need enough guys on the field having good days for us to have any chance to win, right? So it was like you need eights, nines, and tens for seven or eight of your players to be playing at an eight, nine, or a ten for you to have any chance to win. And when you have young players, it's a lot harder to control that number, right? You can have seven or eight have an off day and you've got no chance. And and to have that's where that experience and that youth comes in is that it's hard to generate that consistency over and over again. And yeah, they're they're young superstars. But you do consistently, if you're going to play at that level and challenge at least for a trophy or a title, you have to be able to do that week in and week out. And Can it's Borussia Dortmund. We're not talking about a mid-table here. We're talking about a team full of stars. You know, no, like they fair, should be fair. able to beat a team that hasn't won a game yet and it's staring at the relegation table, you know? Any, Jimmy, did you want to say something? Before we move on. No, 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 keep going. I, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take us on a tangent that we don't have time for. <laughs> well, we can, stay, we can stay with the same theme because AC Milan did win without Zlatan Ibrahimovic. We're in Serie A now as they beat Fiorentina. And it was a really good performance, actually. Uh, and that can't be nothing but good news uh, for Milan as they look to, you know, finally reclaim uh, Scudetto. Jimmy, how, how did you see AC Milan? Yeah, I guess to speak to that point, Roman always scored. Uh, you know, you have your, one of your center backs chipping in, always uh, helps to take some pressure off the attack and obviously take some pressure off of him in the back line. I thought uh, Kessier scored the penalty, had an assist to Romanoli. Uh, I, I like what they're doing. Uh, Rebic up top is very active. I think he runs the lines pretty well. I think he looks to get in behind, which stretches out the defense and creates some space in the midfield. Uh, Chahanalu was, and I know I'm not saying that exactly right, but he, he's a guy that you kind of see every once in a while you pop it. You're like, Oh yeah, I, I, that guy's really, really good. And then you won't see him for five games, you know, and, and then he just disappears. He's not having as much of an impact. And I think it, it's a good time for him to do that without, without Zlatan, of course. And, and so when he shows his face in games where they need him and get, and get a result that they should win, it's really impressive. And there's something about this Milan team that I really like. They're, they're plucky, as I like to say. They've got some backbone to them. 
Yeah, well, they extend their lead at the top of Serie A uh, to five points ahead of rivals Inter Milan. Oh, it's a great time in Italy. AC Milan first. Inter Milan beats sexy Sassuolo. I feel like we jinxed them last week. We did. Um, you know, Sassuolo did play their Sassuolo style, but Inter Milan kind of just said, you know, to your point about the Mike Tyson quote, uh, who should have won, by the way, this weekend. Uh, you know, everybody has a plan until you punch them in the face. That's exactly what Inter Milan did, I think. Heath, uh, this race is looking good in Serie A, uh, with Juventus also just getting a point. Yeah, and, and then, you, you know, you talk about Napoli with a convincing a convincing result uh, today. Four I don't nothing. know if that, is that game done now. Yeah, it's uh, done. 4-0. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's really shaping up, and it's the teams that you want. Obviously, Sexy Sassuolo just adds to the drama, but in terms of the title, actual title race, AC Milan and Inter Milan, uh, this, is, this is what you want as a fan, whether you're a general or you're a hardcore Serie A fan. These are the teams that you want to see battling and, giving, quite honestly, giving, giving Juventus a test. You know, it, it's that we, we saw it every four, fourth or fifth year for a while in, in uh, La Liga where you'd see uh, a, you know, um, Atletico Madrid step up and win or win, win, win two in, in a short period of time. Dortmund every so often with Bayern. And, and it's refreshing. You know, Leicester City, uh, in, I think in 2017 it was. You know, it, it, it's just that's what, that's what we want. We want to see something different. We want to see somebody challenge for that title. Um, and, and right now it's, it, it's looking good in that league. It is looking good. When we come back, we will wrap everything up. And we'll just give our final comments on anything else that happened in the weekend. Because soccer never stops. Stay right here. Welcome back, everybody, to wrap things up today. I've asked uh, Heath and Jimmy to just uh, give me a thought on anything else that we may not usually be able to talk about in the pod, but it's worth talking about. Jimmy, let's begin with you. I'm going to go to Liga MX in Mexico to talk about the Clásico Nacional between Chivas Guadalajara and Club América. Now, I think we talked about it where in the last one, in the preview over the weekend, uh, Chivas had the 1-0 lead after uh, leg one. Uh, Chicote Calderon scored an absolute bombazo. So let's go to Mexico City, Estadio Azteca for the second leg. Uh, Chicote Calderon has two golazos, and they so end good. up doing the business. And I really think that Chicote Calderon is now the daddy of Club America. And I'm sure America fans are like, you can't say that. You can't, I can say it, and I will. Okay, me and Heath both played for Chivas USA. I had a cup of coffee, only two games, but we have a little goat blood in our in us, you know. So. Uh, big, big result for Chivas, of course. And uh, after that, after I started kind of getting into the Liga MA Keys world, uh, and, and Club America, I thought, had a pretty uneven season overall. So even though the XG was more in their favor. Anyway, we we'll have to go into that. I saw that Matias Almeida. Don't bring up XG into this conversation. Matias Almeida, Matias Almeida, the coach for San Jose Earthquakes, is potentially leaving to go to Monterey. And I thought that was that was wild. So anyway, I'm going to leave it there. Lots of drama going on between MLS and Liga MA Keys. But uh, yeah, comprehensive performance. Great, great peak potential, like blowing people's minds, Chicote Calderon. And I want to give him a shout out. Three goals over two legs against their biggest rival is, is unbelievable. Say Chicote Calderon one more time. Chicote Calderon. I love it. I love it. Hey, how good would Piojo Herrero be in MLS, by the way? We kind of want awesome. it, don't He'd we? Awesome. That would be great. Heath, what about you? Final thoughts. All right. I'm going with, uh, well, shoot, I'm going I'm to stay in, in the region and just go with a, a New England win over Orlando uh, that right. happened today. Uh, Orlando, obviously, the drama of, of last week was just far too much to overcome. Um, and they're heading out of the playoffs with, with uh, New England advancing with Bruce Arena ball. Um, there is... I don't know if the trend exists. I don't know if it's a real stat. I don't know anything about it, but there is something to playoff experience that is real. Um, that is very different 
uh, especially for foreign players coming into the league. Uh, that's different than, than, than single, single table um, over a season, you know, being good over a season in MLS is, uh, you know, there's, there, there is a, a value to being informed going into the playoffs. Doesn't matter if you won 15 straight early on, it's about trending upwards right at the right time. Uh, so you can take down anyone. And obviously new England starting with Philadelphia union, uh, who are supporters shield, take them down Orlando, who've been very good as well. Um, and now they're moving on. So I wanted to, you know, give a shout out to that really quick. They got, sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. Cause they went down, they went up a man. New England did uh, Perea got a deserved red card, but Orlando had a penalty and Nani stepped up and he missed it. Matt Turner made the save. And then Orlando, or excuse yes. me, New England went on to score, make it three, one. It was lights out, but Nani was there. He missed that's two penalty, two big penalties. He's missed. It was, and, and it's been the story of Carlos skill as well. Yeah. Shout out to Carlos Hill, by the way, former Aston Villa legend who scored one of the greatest Aston Villa goals ever, uh, who, uh, assisted by Adama Traore. You should watch that one. It's a, it's a beauty. But yeah, well done, Bruce Arena. And by the way, he, who called it? I believe me and Jimmy are just laying back right now. We all did, right? Nobody, nobody. Take the episode down. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think that's a your B license exam, bro. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. Yeah, you know, we don't have to predict games for a B no license. That'd be, that'd be great. Yeah, that'd be great. That would be amazing. It's a better team. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You don't get your B license. Sorry. <laughs> Guys, get that Thanksgiving sandwich right now. Thank you so much for joining me one more time. Jimmy, thank you so much, bud. Thank you. Much appreciated. Always fun to do this with you guys. Heath, thanks, brother. Thanks for having me. This is great. I want to thank my American sandwich, my American Thanksgiving sandwich, uh, Jimmy Conrad and Heath Pierce. Guys, if you like us, please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Listen to us on Spotify or Stitcher. Follow us on Twitter, Que Golazo Pod. We will be back tomorrow with much more as we preview match day five of the Champions League and much more. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great day. Great day. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.